Thank you, Dan. Let's take our Bibles this morning. Turn to Luke chapter 16, if you would. Gospel of Luke chapter 16 is where we're going to be. We're going to be looking again, part two in our series on stewardship this morning. In Ephesians 4, the Bible tells us that the Lord, after he had departed, risen from the dead, gone home to be with his father, to sit on his right hand, um, he gave gifts to the church, and he gave gifts, he gave some apostles and some prophets. We know those gifts are no longer being used at this point. He also gave evangelists, and he gave pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the maturing of the saints, um, ultimately for the work of the ministry. Um, and to what end? Uh, to what end has God given us pastors and teachers and evangelists? Has he given us pastors and teachers and evangelists only to preach at us or to find us things to do, to keep us busy because we don't have anything else? No, he, again, perfecting of the saints, maturing of the saints, and the work of the ministry. Um, and to what end? Uh, ultimately, so that you, as the children of God, will stand before the Lord himself someday and hear, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Um, that passage has been on my mind this week. Over the last month, as Dan mentioned, God has done some mighty things. He also has taken home some people who are very dear to us. And I think of Barb Irish, I think of Nancy Lunny, I think of Al Roberts this past week. And it's been a great month. I mean, Harvest Fest was amazing. Um, the way you all gave to the missionaries was amazing. Um, hearing those people, younger people, responding to the word of God and obeying his call and leading in their lives was amazing. Um, it's been a wonderful, wonderful month. On Tuesday, I, I will say I struggled. Uh, tremendously. And uh, I think at the heart of it was I'm tired of saying goodbye to people. And uh, and so the Ephesians passage. God brought it to my mind because my role as your pastor is not to build a congregation of believers uh, numerically, you know, blow the doors off the place, build, build a bigger and better auditorium and have a bigger church. That's not my that's not my calling, but it is my calling is to equip the saints and ready the saints to someday stand before the Lord someday. That is my responsibility. And uh, that is our pastoral responsibility. And uh, 
So Dan sings the song, He Leadeth Me. And that's what the Lord was doing. I am a merely an under-shepherd. But Jesus Christ is the great shepherd, and he does. He leads us. And that is what he was doing with his apostles in Luke chapter 16. Um, he was preparing them. He was teaching them. He was rebuking them in some ways. He was identifying problems, weaknesses, um, propensities to fail, to wander away from him and not be one of his followers. And Christ does lead us, but we also, each one of us, have the responsibility to follow him. And so that, that is who he's talking to. Both last week in Matthew chapter 6, when he was telling us that where our treasure is, there will our heart be also. And I've wondered and I've asked the question of myself over the past couple of weeks, where is my treasure? What is it that I treasure? Because where my treasure is, that's where my heart will be. Um, our time reveals, where we invest our time reveals our treasure. Where we invest our money certainly reveals our treasure. And where our treasure is, that's where our heart is. And you remember the heart of the message last week. It's, we're, we're, you know, this series is about stewardship, but it's, it's not so much about money as it is about you and your love for the Lord. And really at the heart of what Jesus was, is teaching his disciples about stewardship, he's not after our money. <laughs> he's not after even our time. He's not, he's not, he doesn't need our stuff. He wants us. He wants us. He wants you. He wants all of you. Each one of you. All of each one of you. That's what he wants. He wants me. He wants my love. He wants my adoration. He wants my worship. And, and because he knows us so well... He, he goes to a topic that most of us don't like talking about, and that's our finances and stuff and money. Um, and he knows that where our treasure is, that is where our hearts are. And, uh, and so look with me, if you would, at, at Luke chapter 16. I'll begin reading in verse 1. I'm going to read down through verse number 13. And this is going to be a two-parter, I'll tell you right up front. We won't get through it all today. Verse 1, he says this, And he said also unto his disciples, A disciple was a learner of Christ, a follower of Christ. I speak to many this morning who are disciples of Christ. Okay, so this is to us. He says, There was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same, that steward, was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. He had been irresponsible with his goods. Verse 2, and he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. And then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship I cannot dig. So apparently he was a white-collar kind of fellow. And he says, To beg I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him and said unto the first, How much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, In hundred measures of oil. 
And he said unto him, Take thy bill and sit down quickly and write 50. That's quite a discount, isn't it? On repaying a debt, 50%. Verse 7, he said, Then he said to another, And how much owest thou? And he said, An hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, Take thy bill and write fourscore or eighty. And the Lord commended the unjust steward. Why? Because he had done wisely. And the word wisely there means he had acted shrewdly. Uh, we'll, we're going to talk more about that. Um, and again, Jesus is, is giving a, an illustration to them of a greater truth. In other words, when the pressure came to bear, the seriousness of the steward's stewardship dawned upon him. He got really serious about it. And that's the point. He was he had kind of been coasting with the stewardship, hadn't done a good job, hadn't been hadn't done wisely, really been lazy, lackadaisical, let a lot of things go. Um, a lot had been entrusted into his care and he just kind of let it go. He had not been a good steward. And when it finally dawned on him, I'm not going to be a steward anymore, all of a sudden he got serious and and he made some bold moves, some aggressive moves as a steward. And this guy does it for selfish reasons, doesn't he? Um, and, and the Lord is giving this illustration. He's, he's saying even those who are of this world, even those who are not living for heaven, who do not love God, who who do not think they're going to stand before God, who, who are just living for this life, uh, they sometimes put more seriousness and effort into their stewardship than people who are going to stand before the Lord God Almighty someday and who have been given so much in this life to be stewards over. Look what he says there in the passage in verse 8. He says for the, in the middle of verse eight, for the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. They're better at planning for the future. I'm not talking about retirement, though there could be application there. They're better at planning for the future than the children of light are planning for the future at, when we stand before the Lord. Verse nine, Jesus continues. He says, and I say unto you. Make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when ye fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much, and he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If, therefore, ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate, detest the one, and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Things, stuff. We cannot serve God and stuff. Last week he said, where your treasure is, that, that's where your heart will be. And God was saying, Jesus was saying, I'm after your heart. I want you to love me. I've loved you, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love you to the, to the uttermost. I'm going to love you with everything that I am. I'm going to love you. I'm going to die for you. I'm going to take your sins upon my, myself. I'm going to be separated from my father. 
and I'm going to bear your sins so you can have my righteousness. I'm going to love you, Jesus was telling his disciples, and I want you to love me. And this, by the way, that truth is not a new New Testament truth. That is the truth of the Bible. God has always desired his people to fellowship with him. He's always desired to be close with his people. He's In the Old Testament, he commanded them to love the Lord, their God, with their heart, their soul, and their mind, with all their might. Right. New Testament, he's saying that we are to love him. He's saying, how do you know if you love me? Well, look at what you treasure. And now, today, he's saying you cannot serve two masters. If you love stuff, you're going to despise God. Such a bother. Always trying to tell me what to do. I know what happiness is. I know what I want to do. I know what I want. And God, why do you keep getting in the way? Love stuff, you'll despise God. Or, if you love the Lord, you will despise the stuff. You won't love it. It's not important to you. It's unimportant. Let's pray, and then we'll look at this passage. Father, I pray that you'd give us ears to hear this morning and eyes to see. We are a wealthy people. We have so much stuff. How do we know if we love it or not? How do we know if we love you as we ought? We need to be good stewards with what you've given us. We are going to stand before you someday. You want us to love you. And Father, we do love you, but you know that our hearts are often drawn away. We often find ourselves in love with the things of this world and this earth. You know our frame. You know our weakness. You know our flesh. Father, I pray that you would teach us by your Holy Spirit. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now, last week, we considered our priorities, right? We talked about what our priorities should be. We ought to have the proper treasury, right? We talked about having the proper vision. And when we, when we are not materialistic, the Bible actually says when we don't love stuff, we actually can start to see spiritual things. That's the great disaster, I think, in a wealthy nation like the United States of America, because we all have so much stuff and so much entertainment and so many things and money and that it, it really causes a nation great blindness to spiritual truth. But he said... Your priorities need to be right. You need to have proper treasury and a proper vision. You need to be loyal. You see, he said you need to have a proper allegiance. And you need to have a proper proper confidence. You need to trust, trust the Lord. But there's a reality check for us, and we're going to see that today, that we won't have the right priorities if we don't have the right perspective. So what, what should our perspective be? Um, and here's the question. Are the possessions that you have yours, or are they God's? That's a very simple question. That's the right answer. I want you to think about your things. I want you to think about the things that you do for entertainment uh, and pleasure. Uh, I want you to think about the things that you have that are needs, like a place to live and clothes to wear uh, a job to earn. I want you to think about all those things that, that you have. And I, I want you have to answer this question because your perspective, if, if you believe that what you have is yours, then your priorities will be wrong. 
your treasure will not be in the king. Will not be in his kingdom. Your treasure will be in stuff in this life. You'll be blind to truth. Well, you're going to have a hard time teaching your children truth if you can't see it yourself. If you're living for now, your children are going to be led to live for now. And it, that can generational sin just keeps rolling and snowballing. Entire generations of people are lost to hell because someone had the wrong treasury. Okay. The material materialistic attitude. So. If we have a wrong, wrong perspective, then our priorities are going to be wrong. In 1918, a man by the name of David McConaughey wrote a book. And it was entitled Money, the Acid Test. And he wrote this in 1918. My grandfather was 18 years old in that day. Um, he, he wrote this. He said, money, most common of temporal things, involves uncommon and eternal consequences. Even though it may be done quite unconsciously, money molds people. This is what he wrote. In the process of getting it, of saving it, of using it, of giving it, of accounting for it, depending upon how it's handled, it proves a blessing or a curse to its possessor. Either the person that become either the person becomes master of the money or the money becomes master of the person. Our Lord takes money, the thing that essential though it may be to our common life, sometimes seems so sordid. And he, our Lord, makes it the, a touchstone to test the lives of people and an instrument for molding them into the likeness of himself. That's quite a statement. But I thought it was a phenomenal statement by a man in 1918 when they didn't have LEDs, lighting, and, and uh, flat screen TVs, and uh, cars, electric, or anything like that. <laughs> um, I guess the carbon footprint would have been smaller in 1918. I don't know. Maybe the cows. There were more cows, maybe. I don't know. So I ask you, though, what is your perspective on finances? Uh, because our perspective determines our priorities. And Scripture, as, G, as we read in Luke 16, and we'll look at it now, Scripture teaches us that there are two distinct parts to the handling of our money. There's the part that God plays and the part that we play. With our stuff. Uh, number one, everything is God's. That is a Bible truth. If I reject that truth, my priorities will be wrong. I will not be ready to stand before the Lord and, and uh, I will forego eternal reward because I got what I wanted now. Okay. Uh, number one, everything is God's. Look again at verses one and two. He says, and he said unto his disciples, there was a certain rich man which had a steward and the same was accused unto him, his Lord, that he had wasted his goods. And so very simply next to that verse, you could write irresponsible. This steward was irresponsible. Look at verse two. The Lord called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship. And, and all of us, there's coming a day of accounting for every single one of us. There's coming a day of accounting for every single one of us. How many of you 
How many of you like accounting? How many of you do? Okay. Some of you do. Andy, you don't like accounting? That's your job. <laughs> okay. Do you like accounting, Jeff? Yeah. So it's interesting. I thought more people would like accounting. Not many of us do. You know, I want to ask others. I'm not going to. Um, but I am surprised a little bit. I thought there'd be at least 12 of you, but there wasn't. Um, how many of us like spending? Okay, there we go. <laughs> okay. And that's why we don't like accounting right there. <laughs> it's true. We don't like accounting. Um, when Cindy and I were first married, you know, we had a joint joint account, and, and she was always wanting to balance the checkbook. And uh, Cindy, do you like accounting? Kind of. Sure. But not when I'm spending. She doesn't like accounting. Um, but, uh, and I was like, balance the checkbook. What? You know, so uh, some of us are better at this than others. But there's going to come a day spiritually when we have to give an account for what we did in this life. This is this is a big deal. Uh, we did a whole series on this on Sunday nights here uh, at the end of the summer, talking about eternal rewards um, on Sunday nights. And it's a big deal. And, and he, t- he says, give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer a steward. And so the very simple truth I see in verses 1 and 2, and we could talk more about things, but very simply, God has given you everything that you have. He is the, the owner of it. And, and this is our perspective. Well, wait a minute. Now, I'm the owner. I, I worked. I got up early. I put in the time. I went to school. I studied. I, I earned, this is mine. And that's the question. How, what's our perspective? Is your house yours or is it God's? Is your, are your vehicles, the vehicles, are they yours or are they God's? You know, and, and, and you can go right down the list. Are your children yours or are they God's? Is your spouse yours? Do they belong to you or do they belong to God? And, and, and here's at the heart of stewardship. Some of us mistreat our spouse because we think they belong to us. But actually, they belong to God. It actually sounds worse, does it not, to say you're abusing the one who belongs to God than it does to say you're abusing the one who belongs to you. Because when we have the attitude or the perspective that, well, that's mine, I can do with it what I want to do. It's mine. I own it. But if it's God's, <laughs> I've got to give account to God for what I do with what belongs to him. Is, your, is, you, is, the, business, is the business that you have, is it yours or is it God's? Your employment, is it yours or is it God's? And you, I want you to think this way. And, and the Bible says a lot about this. Uh, it tells us that he is the sole owner of everything. Psalm 24 and verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. (laughs) The whole earth is the Lord's, 
Everything that is, is in it is the Lord. Haggai chapter 2 and verse 8 says this, The silver is mine, God says, and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. Psalm 15 verse 10, the Bible says, For every beast of the forest is mine, God says, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. Ultimately, God has control of everything that happens upon the earth as well. First Chronicles 29 and verse 11 says, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. And in thine hand it is, it is to make uh, great and to give strength unto all. Job, who lost his children and all of his wealth, said, The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Bible also teaches us that God, who owns everything and who is in control of everything, is the one who promises to provide for our needs. Dan sang the song, I don't know the title of the song he sang, but in the song he sang, he talked about how the Lord leads us, right? <clears throat> By his own hand, he leadeth me, tenderly leading me, he talked about. There's a hymn entitled, He Leadeth Me. It says, He leadeth me, O blessed thought, O words with heavenly comfort fraught. Whatever I do, wherever I be, still tis God's hand that leadeth me. Sometimes mid scenes of deepest gloom, sometimes where Eden's bowers bloom, by waters still or troubled seas, still tis his hand that leadeth me. Lord, I would clasp thy hand in mine, nor ever murmur nor repine, content whatever lot I see, since tis thy hand that leadeth me. You see, this helps our perspective. How many of us can say, um, nor ever murmur nor repine? Ever? That's a 100% statement. I don't know. Content whatever lot I see. Here, we're content when we, when we submit ourselves to his leading. And we can rest in his leading. It is thy hand that leadeth me. And when my task on earth is done, when by thy grace the victory's won, in death's cold wave I will not flee, since God through Jordan leadeth me. He leadeth me, he leadeth me, by his own hand he leadeth me. His faithful follower I would be, for by his hand he leadeth me. God has promised to provide for our needs. In Matthew 6, we read it last week. You remember his disciples, he's telling them, do not say, well, what shall we eat? <laughs> Or what are we going to drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? What are we supposed to wear? And he says, consider the lilies. Look at, look at the flowers. God has provided for them. God has designed them. God has clothed them. They are more amazingly arrayed and clothed than King Solomon in all of his glory. Trust him. Trust the Lord. And he went on to say in verse 33 of Matthew 6, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's the right priority. And Jesus said, And all these things shall be added unto you. You remember when Jesus was the, the incident of the 
feeding of the 5,000. Jesus has been teaching and people are hungry and the disciples come to the Lord and they say, we don't have food for these people. You know, and how much money do we have? Immediately they go to the financial, you know, what do we got? We're going we're gonna to do our accounting and see what we have. And Jesus wants them to lift their view to a higher plane, not to what they have, but who they have. Who they have. By the way, is who we have. He is ours. And we are his. And you remember, they're, they're trying to figure this out, and along comes the boy. You know, why is it in the people, a crowd of 5,000, we think that was just the men they were counting. So it could be 10,000 or 14,000 people. Why is it that no one brought else brought a lunch? I don't know. Maybe there were other people who had a lunch. I wasn't talk about them because this boy, they bring this one boy. <laughs> here, here he is. And he's got his sack, you know, of uh, what? Five loaves and two fish. And Jesus took five loaves and two fish and he fed everyone. And this is why Jesus said, don't be concerned. Don't be anxious. Don't be full of fear. What shall we eat? and What shall we drink? And wherewith your father in heaven is your provider. And this is our perspective. Everything is God's. He owns everything. He controls everything. And he who owns everything and controls everything he is our God. He is our father. He sees us. He knows our needs and he's going to provide for our needs. This is the right perspective. That's God's part. Secondly, we are stewards. We are stewards. That's what we are. Look again at verse. Uh, I'll, I'll pick up in verse number three. And uh, don't forget verses one and two. You have this man. And he's wasted his goods. He's been irresponsible with not with what belonged to him, but what belonged to his Lord. And his Lord comes to him and he says, give an account. And the steward's thinking, wow, I am done. I'm fired. I'm not going to have a job. And look what he does in verse three. Then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig to beg. I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do. I know what I'll do. When I am put out of the stewardship, uh, they may receive me into their houses. So he's, he, he, this is his carnal thinking, actually. But he basically says, I know what I'll do. I'll cut the people who owe my Lord a deal on their debt. Now, I hope this guy got fired, ultimately, okay? Uh, but he's doing this so that they will will take care of him when he's fired. Uh, verse three, so he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him and said unto the first, how much, how much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, an hundred measures of oil. That's about 900 gallons. Okay. A um, thousand denarii. That's about three years wages. Okay. So how much do you make a year? Time multiply that by three. That's how much this guy owed. He owed quite a bit. And he, and he says 100 measures of oil. So maybe this is, let's say, $150,000 or $200,000 or more in value. He says, take thy bill, sit down quickly and write 50. I'll give you a 50% discount. And then he said to another, and how much owest thou? And he said, in 100 measures of wheat. That's um, 
And we're talking about 100 acres, 8 to 10 years of wages. Okay. 100 measures of wheat. And he said unto him, take thy bill and write four score. 80. We'll give you 20% off. You write it right now. And the Lord commended. Now notice it's a lowercase l there. So it's not the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. His master was impressed with with how he had taken a careful advantage of his situation. He had maximized what he could do. Now he's not, he's not, the Lord, Jesus Christ is not saying, um, be deceptive. He's not saying that. That's, that's, that's not what Christ's point is. But he is saying, this man was very serious. He got really serious about his situation, where he was, his accounting. And he says at the end of verse 8, For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. The children of this world put more effort into planning for a temporal retirement or purchasing a possession than God's people do with all that God has blessed us with in preparing for eternity, preparing to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ someday. How much planning have we done, do we do, about standing before the Lord Jesus Christ someday? And, and he, you can see the emphasis of this illustration. So this, the word steward uh, has the idea of one who manages or takes care of another's property. It actually means a manager of a house. Okay, It does not mean the owner of the house. It just means the manager of the house. In Luke 16, who's the owner of the house? And the answer is the certain rich man. It's not the steward. In, in verse 1, we, uh, the, the steward is responsible to take care of the rich man's goods. And did he do a very good job? Yes or no? No, he did a terrible job. He was about to be fired. And most of us don't need to have a steward. Most of us can take care of what we own ourselves, um, what's in our possessions ourselves. We're able to look after and take care of our own possessions. But if a man had 10 houses and eight boats and 150 acres of land and 500 head of cattle and three swimming pools and 25 cars and eight trucks and an oil field, then he might need some help, right? Someone to help him take care of the possessions that are under him, that he owns. So a, a manager is someone who takes care of something that belongs to somebody else. That's what a steward. And, and again, our, 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 our tendency in our day is to say something like this. Well, I'm not a steward. I'm an owner. I may not own a lot, but I do own some things. I own some cars. I own a house or two. I own some property. I own some clothing. I, own, I have possessions. I own money. I own IRAs. Uh, these are mine, and I own them. And I own them, and I take care of them. And, and I would ask you, what is your perspective? Now, we have some young people in the room, some teenagers. Um, who is the owner of your bedroom? Come on, help me here. Who owns it? Carson, who owns your bedroom? Okay, thanks for not going ultra-spiritual on me and saying God, because that would have really shot down the illustration. Um, but you're right, mom and dad own that room. Are you accountable to mom and dad for your room? 
Uh, would you be held accountable if you destroyed your room by your parents? Yes, right, okay. Um, I'm picking on Carson a little bit this morning, but each one of us are going to be held accountable by God for what we do with what he has entrusted into our care. It's not a bedroom for us. It's, it's a house. It's a piece of property. It's, it's vehicles. It's, it's money. It's, it's savings. It's possessions. It's stuff. We're going to be held accountable by God someday for what we did with what he entrusted into our care. So the position of a steward in the Bible is one of great responsibility. It's not, I think of Joseph. You know, he's the second most powerful man in Egypt. There's the Pharaoh and there's Joseph. And Joseph's really the steward for Pharaoh of all that was under his authority. Was that a position of honor for Joseph? Yes or no? Yeah. Did Joseph always have that significant or great a position of authority or stewardship? Yes or no? No. He, he When we first are introduced to him, he's taking a message to his brothers. Uh, and then he is a slave in Potiphar's house, wrongfully accused. And then he's imprisoned. And where do we find in each one of these situations, Joseph is a faithful steward for his father. He's a faithful steward for Potiphar. He's a faithful steward when he's in prison. The guy who is the prison guard over Joseph loved Joseph. He's given Joseph responsibilities. Why? Because Joseph was a faithful steward. And ultimately, God, and this is a, a truth, I believe, that we can apply to our lives. If we'll be faithful in the small things, God will give us greater stewardship in greater things. How many of us want more stewardship? And some of us are kind of like, I don't think so. No? Is that the right answer? No? No, that's the wrong answer. You should desire, it is a privilege to be a steward of God. It is a privilege. If I asked you the question, how many of you want greater stewardship? Um, I think some of us would seriously say, I don't think so. How many, how many of you want more stewardship of more money? Well, if you're talking about money, I think I could be a, stewardship, a better steward of more money not if we're not a good steward of less money. And he's going to say this later on in the passage. So God is the master. We are his stewards. Listen to what the Bible says in Psalm 8. Psalm 8 is a beautiful psalm. I was going to turn there. Go there and read it later today. It's not long, but I'm going to read a portion of it to you. He says this, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him, man, a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion. That's a measure of stewardship over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. All the things that belong to God, God has entrusted into the care of man. All sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the fields, the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas, they have been entrusted to us as God's creation, as mankind. A steward's only responsibility is to be found faithful. I'm going to say that again. Our only responsibility as a steward is to be found faithful. That's our only responsibility. Um, if you can boil stewardship down to one simple thought, it would be that. To be found faithful and pleasing when we stand before God someday. 
Seth, how many uh, how many children did I entrust into your care? Four. Four. Were you a good steward with the children that I gave you? How you led them, how you taught them, the example you were for them. I'm going to give an account to God as a steward of the children he's given to me. He's entrusted to my care. Money. Seth, how much money did I give you? I don't know, Lord, I wasn't very good at accounting. Well, I have the number here for you. So here it is. Seth, of the money that I gave you, how'd you use that? Uh, well, here's, here's how you used it. Used it for this, used it for that. Used it for that again and again. Wow, this was a real problem for this portion of your life. Yes, yes, it was. That again, still again. Yep, still going. And then you used it for this. And you began to use it for this. And used it again for this. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. See, everything. Everything. Uh, how many neighbors did I give you? Well, there was the one in Grand Blank. There was, no, there were a couple in Juan. was there, yeah. Cherry was there. And then uh, and you moved into Flint Township. Yeah, that's right. Before that, you were in Pensacola for a while. Yeah. And you are interacted with these people. And you had these friends. I, gave, I entrusted these friends into your care. And I, and I put you there because I wanted you to be an influence upon their lives to point them to, the, to me. So, I would, so they would know me. Did you do that? I, I brought trials into your life. You were a steward of trials. I, I gave you trials. I brought tribulation in your life. Job was a steward of trials. I believe he was a good steward with his trials. How are you stewarding your trial? The tests. And, and everything that God has brought into our lives. I want to I give you a, a few thoughts as we close about a good steward. I'll, I'll, you may want to write them down. They're fairly simple, but they've been helpful to me. Number one, a good steward is faithful with his resources. A good steward is faithful with his resources. And you say, well, here it comes. Pastor's going to start talking about what I should do with the 10%. No, no, I'm not. It's worse than that. Being a faithful steward, a good steward, is to be faithful with his resources. And and how much, give me a percentage here, how much of what God has entrusted into your care belongs to God? How much? 100%. You say, wow, that is worse than 10. All of it. Um, you say, are you wanting an offering after this sermon? No. Mm-mm. No, no, I don't. I don't want your money. I don't want your stuff. I don't want it. It belongs to God, though. And if you're going to be a good steward, and if you're going to be ready to stand before the Lord, and every one of you are, who are his child, you're going to stand before him someday. At a place, at a place is a place of reward. It's a place he's going to praise you, but he's going to praise different people within this church to different levels, because maybe there are some of us in this room and we've been poor stewards with some things, 
Maybe some of us have been really poor stewards with our money or our belongings or our time or our families or our marriages. And we're going to give an account to the Lord on that day. It's a, it's a time of, he's going to praise you. He is. I want to please him. I want to be a good steward. I don't want to be like this man in the first in, in the, these verses of chapter 16. So a good steward is a faith is a man who's faithful with all of his resources. Number two, a good steward is faithful regardless of how much he has. Now the issue throughout the Bible is how to faithfully handle all that God has entrusted to you. Sometimes we we catch ourselves looking at what other people have. It's called covetousness. The Bible says, thou shalt not covet. Um, But but I think everyone in this room has done that. Look at that person's house and think, well, that'd be nice. Or a car and think, yeah, wow, yeah, I'd love to drive that. Or that can go anywhere, right? But this, he's talking about faithful with what you have. That, that's the emphasis of all of these truths in many different passages of Scripture. The faithful steward lives, and he spends, and he saves, and he works like he's going to be held responsible for whatever he has. It, regardless of whether he has a lot or whether he has a little. The parable of the talents illustrates that a steward is accountable for what he has, whether it is... Uh, of great value or of little value. I will not ask you to turn there, but in Matthew 25, you can read about this in verse 14. Matthew 25, in verse 14. Listen to what listen to what the Bible says. He says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods, And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. He's got these three servants. He gives five talents to one, two talents to the other, and one. To every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. And that's very important when we think about stewardship. Sometimes we think, you know what? I don't know why God gave so-and-so more. God knew you. He gave you exactly what you could handle with his help. Do you trust him with that? Will you be a good steward with what he gave you? He's given you exactly, you have exactly what you're supposed to have. Verse 16, then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made another five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained another two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them, accounting with them, more accounting. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. And his Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. And he also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. And his Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee uh, that thou art an hard man, 
and reapest where thou hast not sown, and gathereth where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. And his Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked. The word wicked means irresponsible or derelict. Now, I don't want us all to leave here like with our knuckles dragging the ground. I'm a derelict steward. Now, have we, have, have any of us in this room been a poor steward at times with certain things? Yes or no? Both hands. I have. So this is the time where we can take account of where we are in our lives now. And make adjustments now. Because when we stand before the Lord someday, there will be no more opportunity to make changes. What kind of a steward are you with Sundays? What kind of a steward are you with the word of God? What kind of a steward are you with the workplace where God has put you? I hope you don't look at it as just a job. But your employer, your fellow employees as a mission field. God has planted you there and he's providing you to be there. The time of the years that you will spend in a place. Be a good steward with those, those years. You're like, oh, it just seems like it's never going to end. It may seem that way. That's our humanity. That's part of it. But be, have an eternal perspective. So, a faithful steward, a good steward is faithful with all of his resources. He's faithful regardless of how much he has. He's faithful in the little things. Look at verse 10 in Luke 16 in verse 10. He says, and he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. So he's talking about being faithful in the little things. Again, I speak to some teenagers in the room. You've got plans. You've got goals. You want to be a success someday financially. And God makes us all different. Um, so there are some in this room, and God's given you a mind for business. Or maybe he's given you um, some abilities or a mind for political things. Uh, maybe you'll end up being an attorney, or maybe you'll end up being a missionary. And, and you're going to be, and that's, you're going to end up in another part of the world because God's gifted you to learn another language to reach other people with the gospel. So God's given you all different things. And here's what I'm saying to you. Be a good steward with what God's given you to do now. Okay? Because God's not going to give you much if you're not faithful with little. Does that make sense? Um, some of us are dreamers. You know, wow, I know what I'd like to do. I'd like to be, well, I'd love to be able to, you know, I think that'd be awesome if that happens in your life. But I'm telling you right now, God's not going to give you much and you're not going to be faithful with much if you're not faithful with a little bit. And parents, we can help teach our children stewardship. Young people, embrace your parents' teaching on stewardship. Embrace the accountability. No, mom, don't go into my bedroom. Nope, don't go in there. You shouldn't go in there. No, let her go in. Take responsibility. Be accountable. Um, learn it now. Learn it now. Be faithful in the little things. And one last truth, and that's in verse 12. Be faithful with other people's possessions, too. Look at verse 12. He says, 
And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? So be faithful with what doesn't belong to you. Have you ever heard the saying, drive it like you stole it? Now, some of you have actually done that. I don't want to know. Okay. All right. So I don't want to know if you've actually done that. But, you know, you rented a car and you were out in Montana. I don't know what you're doing in Montana renting a car, but there you were. And there's like no speed limit. And you drove it like you stole it. I mean, the it was ticking after you got done eating an hour-long meal, and the rest, it was still ticking, you know. And you say, yeah, I, I paid to be able to do that. No, no, no. I don't think you're being a good steward of somebody else's possession. God's people, this is the way we ought to think. This is not called, well, Pastor Ferguson's a real stick in the mud, you know. No, 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 no. Um, it's Jesus says, how do you expect anybody to give you more if you won't be responsible with what's, what belongs to somebody else? And I can remember, my dad is here, my mom is here. I can remember being in Wyoming on a vacation when I was about 16, and our transmission in the van was overheating, and we had to stop, and it, dad wanted to go over this mountain range, and we couldn't go over that mountain range. He said, the van's not going to make it. The trans We just, you know, we're going to have to... We're just going to go a different route. I think he was now charting the course back home through the through the lowest passes he could find. And I knew why the transmission was overheating on the van. You could actually burn rubber with a Dodge minivan. And I found that out as a 16-year-old. But boy, did I feel terrible on the family vacation with my parents and my my siblings, and we're in Wyoming, and we're going to Glacier National and Yellowstone, and the van isn't running well. And Dad's like, you know, I just don't understand why the van's got low miles. And I'm going, okay, now we've already talked about this. My parents, I think they've forgiven me. But, when, but there's nothing you can do at that point. And I was wishing like crazy I hadn't accelerated the same way that I had for a little while. And someday we're going to stand before the Lord and we're going to give an account. So do you have the right perspective? <clears throat> do you have the perspective that everything is God's and that you're accountable to God for everything? And money is the test. Are we really using it to reach people who will be our friends for eternity? Are we really faithful are we truly the stewards of God? It is a privilege to be his steward. And I'm going to close. I want us to close with the hymn, He Leadeth Me. Then sang a song, a compilation that included parts of it. Psalm, it's a hymn 149. So take your hymnals. Hymn number 149. And I want us to close and I want us to sing this hymn. I read it to you. And I want, I want to do it because these are his words that we were studying. And he's the one who's leading us. And why did he talk like this to his disciples? 
because he wanted, he was teaching them, he was preparing them for the day that they were going to stand before him. And that's what he's doing with us. Hymn number 149, let's all stand to our